Well, good morning, Lighthouse. Did you come to worship the Lord this morning? Amen. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Well, let's all stand. Glory to his name.
Again, you may be seated for a second. Well, good morning, everyone. Are you having, having enjoy, some joy in God's house today? Yeah. Amen. That's what I love. That's what we're doing here for. We're here to bring what we just saying, glory to his name, just like we have written back there. It says, unto him be glory in the church. Amen. There's, a lot of one, there's a lot of reasons out there to come to God's house this morning. It can be you want to see some friends. It can be, you know, you just want to get out of the house or three. Well, maybe I just got nothing better to do. I want to argue with that. There's nothing better to do than be in God's house on Sunday morning. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says this. It says, Whether, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. That means wherever you're at, you're making it your aim. You're making it your goal to be well-pleasing to him. There's a lot of reasons to be in church, but I want to be here today because I'm here to bring worship. I'm here to bring honor and glory to God. All of those things, I get to fellowship with my brothers and sisters. All those things are secondary, and those are wonderful things. But we exist to bring worship, bring glory to God. And I argue, and by experience too, that that is the greatest joy you can have in this life. If this is your first time at Lighthouse or first time in a long time, I just want to welcome you here. And just thank you and let you know that we have a communication card just to fill out here. This is also for our guests and for members, because at the bottom, you're going to notice there is a prayer section. So if you would fill that out, drop it in the offering plate at the very end of the service. We just want to get to know you, and thank you for coming to worship with us today. It's at this moment we take a breather and pause in our worship just to reflect upon our own hearts. If we're here to bring glory and honor to the God of the universe, and and almost words can't even describe that sentence, God of the universe, the all-powerful, almighty, omnipresent, everything that we can have about him. That's what the sermon today is focused upon, God's power. We worship a God who is absolutely full of power, but not just that alone. He is full of love, full of grace, full of wonder. He loves people like us. Someone so far transcending above us would love us and descend to the point where he gave his life for his creation. That is unfathomable to me. The God of the universe to give his life for his creation. But in his power, he's not going to stay dead. Three days later, he defeated death, conquered the grave, and rose again and defeated death. That's the God we serve. That's the God we are here to worship and bring glory to his name. I can't do that, though, with a perfect and clean heart because of my own actions. But because of what he accomplished on that cross... I can come before him with a renewed fellowship. The key to that is in 1 John 1, 9, which says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's able to do so because of what the cross accomplished. I can have a fresh and renewed start because of Jesus' forgiveness he gives us. Because of that continuous restoration I need, I need to be clinging to that promise. And we give that opportunity every Sunday morning here. So would you please pray with me as we continue our service? Most precious, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for being just an awesome God to us. People like us who are clearly undeserving, people who are just full of faults, full of failures, Lord, full of iniquity and full of hostility towards you, that you would bring us back to a position of humility and recognizing you know, that who we are before we worship today. You know, without you and ourselves, we truly can do nothing. Help us to remind that. Help us to, help us to recognize that today 
we not need to be worshiped out of a need of just to be here, just to do it, but Lord, but out of gratitude, out of love, out of service, out of just gratefulness and thankful just for what you've done in our lives. Not just starting with the cross, Lord, but everything that you continue after. We thank you for the greatest gift of all that we can ever receive in this life. And that's the gift of your salvation. That's the gift of grace, how you would give your only begotten son to die on a cross that should have been ours. And Lord, that if anyone who would put their trust in him to save us, that it would be simple as that, that we would say that we can be confident and know and assured that we have everlasting life and that we will spend eternity with you in heaven. So Father, we thank you so much for allowing people like us to come and worship you and bring you glory and taking delight in it. Lord, maybe we take these things and ponder in our hearts and just recognize that, you know, we're not, without you, we wouldn't even be here. Without even the very next breath we take, without you permitting it, we wouldn't be here. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for being a God of power, but also a God full of love and understanding towards us, Lord. And this is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and continue our worship this morning.
of all names that nothing can stand against. I choose to pray to glorify, glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley.
Sunday is next Sunday, and then the rest of everyone else will be in our third through sixth will be in pastor's classroom with me.
Good morning, Lighthouse. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? All right, all right. There are two particular subjects. I'll wait till you get that fixed. You got it fixed yet? I'm gonna I'm gonna stay right here till you get it fixed. It, it makes my head do that. That sounds better. Almost. Typically, we have to cut the monitors off to get rid of that feedback. And I don't need to hear myself. I can hear me just fine without the speaker. There are two particular subjects that we read about. We see them up on billboards. We see it in movies. We see it on television. Subjects that the world is absolutely fascinated with. Today... It's Spider-Man and Thor and Aquaman and all the other superheroes of man's imagination. Back in the day of us older ones, like Jamie back there, it was Batman. He's still stuck on Batman. And someone else. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's... Well, you all are asleep. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, who disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice in the American way. Ah, yes, power. We are all about power. The world is fascinated with power. Oh, that someone who's actually good had the power to fight and to defeat all of this evil that surrounds us. Our world today has a second fascination that's nearly as prevalent as this first one of power. And that second fascination is Resurrection from the dead. Zombies. Vampires. Frankenstein, the living dead, and the Lord only knows how many stories and books and plays and movies have been produced over this fascination of someone somehow coming back from the dead. But everyone knows it's just fiction, right? No one really has the power to change the course of mighty rivers, right? Certainly no one has ever come back from the dead, not like really dead, not like three days dead, really dead. I hope you understand that Satan's purpose and hope in all of this fiction is that you might end up believing that Jesus is just fiction too. He has already set up your children to believe 
that Jesus is just someone you made up, like you made up Santa and told him, told them that he was real. For many, it's been very effective. Satan would have you believe that Jesus is fiction as well. You ever heard of a company called Rasmussen? Rasmussen? They're pollsters. Rasmussen polls say that 64% of Americans believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Now what that really means is that thus far Satan's work of deception has been at least 36% effective. He's coming after your children. I hope you understand that. It's been well said that Satan's greatest achievement is convincing the world that he isn't there, that he doesn't really exist. What we do not realize is that these two great fascinations of the world, they're really just one and the same. If someone, now think about it for a minute, if there was someone who had enough power, I'm talking about extreme power, incredible power, unimaginable power, that person could defeat even death and live forever. And if that unimaginable, super powerful one could be imagined to have even more power, he could even cause you to live forever as well. Well, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that you can stop imagining because Jesus is real. I can show you the place where he arrived in this world. You know, Superman was supposed to come to Earth in a baby as a baby in a spaceship. I can show you the hundreds of genuine historical records which document Jesus' life, both in the Bible and in and elsewhere. It is well documented that Jesus came to this world. And it is well documented that he rose from the dead. I can show you the empty grave which could not hold him. And I can show you the mountaintop from which he ascended literally and bodily into heaven. And I can even show you a life that has been transformed by him personally. This Lord's Day that we celebrate every week, what's it about? It's all about power. It really is. Jesus is powerful. He is beyond powerful, even beyond what you can imagine that he is. Now, this is the place in the sermon where you're supposed to ask, Pastor, just how powerful is Jesus? What? I didn't hear you. Oh, oh, well, I'm so glad you asked. Well, for one, Jesus is more powerful than the God of this world. I'm kind of excited about that. Jesus has defeated, he is defeating, and he will utterly and completely defeat Satan, and he will cast him into the lake of fire for all eternity. Satan thought he had won in the Garden of Eden, when he tempted Eve. But Jesus stepped in with a promise that in the fullness of time, he would pay for their sin with his own blood. 
And because of that promise, Adam and Eve are in heaven today. Satan thought he had the best of Jesus there in the wilderness when he tempted him because Jesus had been without food and drink for 40 days and 40 nights. But Jesus defeated him with the word of God. Satan has a future, and that future glows, uh, draws closer every day. In Revelation 20 and verse number 10, it says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Maybe, maybe you would like a demonstration of power this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 3 says that if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. If you have not yet believed, if you've not yet fully trusted in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, God himself in the body of a man trusted him to save you from your sins, it is because you have been blinded by the God of this world. That's what all that fiction, all that sarcasm about the Lord, all the marketing of so-called evolution and the so-called Big Bang and all the press and the insinuation that says if you believe the Bible or you're just a fool and an idiot and a that's what this is all designed to do you understand it's designed to keep you blind and keep you in the dark but as I share with you what Jesus did for you when he died in your place and rose again. You see, there's a power in this message. It's a power that can be felt. It can be experienced. The Lord inhabits the gospel message. The Bible says that the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus according to the scriptures is the power of God unto salvation. You can't explain it, but you know in your heart that it's true. And you know what that means? It means you're not blind anymore. If you remain lost to share Satan's fate, it's going to be by your own choice to do so. You're not going to be able to say, but I was blinded. Your own heart, if not the Lord himself, will someday remind you that you had the blinders taken away when you heard the gospel this very morning. What was that question you asked me earlier? I forgot. What? Oh, just how powerful. Well, I'm glad you asked because I want you to know that Jesus is more powerful than the government. 
We're living in a climate in America that none of us have ever experienced before. Food and fuel going out of sight. Our money, if you actually have any, is quickly becoming worthless. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how much more of it it takes to buy the things that you've been buying your whole life? Our values are being destroyed from within. Our very children are being slaughtered in the womb by the thousands in this country. And it's worse in the rest of the world. Islam wants to kill us. The North Koreans want to kill us. Maybe the Russians and the Lord only knows who else wants to kill us. And what is perhaps worse, most of America is too blind, and, and may, lest I say it, too stupid to realize what's going on, what's happening to us. Well, as depressing as all that is, I do have some good news. And that good news is that Jesus is still in charge. Let me read to you from John 19, verse number 7. It says the Jews answered him. It's talking about Pilate here. They said, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And he went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? Where did you come from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate saith unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? Do you remember what Jesus answered? Verse 11, Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. (coughs) Excuse me. Satan and President Biden have at least one thing in common. Some would say many things in common, but they have at least one thing in common that I'm sure about. They each have no power at all except what is given them from above. What is happening today in our world is happening for a reason. America as a nation is about to face her judgment. And America as a nation deserves her judgment. If you don't know that, you haven't been paying attention. But the good news is, you see, God protected those in Egypt that were his. You remember reading about that? We know that God protected those that were his in Canaan. We know that God protected those that were his in Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that God protected those that were his in Babylon. And I believe that God will protect those that are his in America. You had just better make sure that you are one of his. Because most of America, they're not one of his. Not anymore. There might have been a day. But this isn't it today. What was that question that you asked me a while ago? 
I keep forgetting. I'm, I'm getting old. I, I keep losing it. What was it? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is more powerful than the grave. Death on a Roman cross and three full days and three full nights sealed in a tomb. Then, as we read in Matthew 28, verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and set upon it. By the way, unlike what some of the hymns that we sing says, the angel did not roll back the stone to let Jesus out. He rolled back the stone to show the ladies who came that the tomb was empty. His countenance, this angel's countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. That means they fainted like a bunch of little girls. <laughs> and the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Today thousands travel to see the place where the Lord lay. It's still there. A few dozen yards from where he hung, nailed to a Roman cross. And it is, an, it is a thrill to go there, by the way. And there is a, an electricity that can be felt when you visit the place. Knowing that you're looking in like Peter did. You bend down and you look in and you see it. The back... There's a, there's a stone table in the back. There's a, there's a bed, what it is, where Jesus was placed. It's all there. Dozens of historical documents place Jesus alive and with his church over the next 40 days after he was crucified and risen again from the dead. Let me tell you something. What, what, if Jesus came in person and spent 40 days with us, here at Lighthouse, would you only show up on Sunday? No, I'd be here every day. I guarantee you, be here every day. First Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some have fallen asleep. That's not you, Daryl, that means died. Okay. After that he was seen of James then of all the apostles, and last of all, Paul said, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. Jesus was seen of the apostle John even later on. 
John had been arrested and he had been exiled to the Isle of Patmos for preaching the gospel. And it says in Revelation 1 and 17, John is writing here, he said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. When Jesus said to that, that company of temple guard in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, they said, Whom seek ye? He said, I, Are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am. And you remember what happened? They fell on their backsides as dead. Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Yes, folks, Jesus is more powerful than the grave. That question... What was it again? Oh, yes, right. Well, for another, Jesus is more powerful than gravity. Look up in the sky. Remember? Acts chapter 1, verse 7. And Jesus said unto them, He said, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, one of the disciples said, Look, up in the sky. That's not in there. I'm just kidding about that. They didn't didn't say that. But it said this. While they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is more powerful than gravity. Wouldn't that be cool? To be more powerful than gravity? You could just control it. Just rise. Go. Fly. I I know they're talking flying cars. They even have one or two on the market already. But you won't need a flying car. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that if we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep or which have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God And the dead in Christ shall rise first. You know, you may be lying in bed one morning and you wake up and you say, what what is that trumpet sound I hear? 
I know I didn't have a trumpet sound on my alarm. It says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is not, this is not fiction that I'm reading. This is the future that I'm reading for you and me who know Jesus Christ as our Savior. All right, just one more. We got time for one more. What was that question again? Well, Jesus is more powerful than the government and and gravity. He's more powerful than the God of this world. Jesus is also more powerful than your greatest sin. Jesus did not die to help save you. Jesus died to save you all by himself. Romans 5 and verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so grace might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin brought death to your spirit. And sin has done all sin can do. Do you realize that? Death by sin is a one-time event. John 5.24 says this, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, Are you listening? He that heareth my word, And believeth on him that sent me. That means they've trusted on the one that sent Jesus and himself hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. Romans 6, 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Jesus is more powerful than your greatest sin. He's more powerful than your besetting sin. He is more powerful than your biggest problem, whatever you think that is. He said, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Verse 7 says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Likewise, 
Uh, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon you yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6 and 14 tells us flat out, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. No matter what you have done or what you have failed to do, Jesus is more powerful than your greatest sin. He's already taken upon himself your penalty of death. He paid it in full and has risen from the grave in complete victory over it. All that's left, all that remains is for you to simply receive it by placing your trust in him and what he did for you on the cross when he shed his blood and died in your place. Jesus said in John 14, verse 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now that's a big promise. That's the promise that some of you depend on every day. I'm one of you. He said, yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but you see me. And he said this, because I live, you shall live also. Let's stand. Jesus is powerful. I've shared this with you before, but it bears repeating. Some of you have been talking to God a lot and telling God how big your problem is. I might suggest to you that you just tell your problem how big your God is instead. Jesus can handle your problem. We're going to sing. And I will have you know that it is four minutes till 12. It's still this morning, Clarissa. We're going to have to sing faster. It'll be the afternoon before she gets here. You're God alone. You might have made up Santa, but you didn't make up Jesus. He's real. Let's sing it.